0: good morning ladies we're gonna go ahead and get started so if you could grab a seat
1: um,
0: if you happen to print the notes online they're probably wrong so if you print it online you might want to grab what is out on the table instead um, and just to make sure everyone you got your notes your notebook if you're a first-time Wellspringer, Um, And then everyone can get this new packet, which has tabs in it and table of contents and all that kind of stuff. So make sure to grab that. Um, When you come in in the morning, there's also an attendance sheet. You can just check your name off. Um, Unfortunately, we're not going to be doing coffee and snacks this year. But you all seem to have brought your own. (laughs) So that works out. Thank you. Um, And if you forget, there's a Starbucks in the parking lot. Um, But we're so thankful you're here. And so I'm going to open up in a word of prayer, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, thank you for how good you are to us, and thank you for this ministry. Thank you for the men and women who have labored and gone before to establish this ministry and how we are able to benefit fruit from, from the time that they have spent um, shepherding their own hearts to create what Wellspring is. Father, thank you for each of these ladies that are here today. their commitment to want to grow to be more like you um, and to want to learn and to want to have their hearts changed thank you for the ladies over in Wellspring kids that um, are also working so hard today I pray that you would sustain them this morning Lord I just pray that this year this morning um, that we listen to each lesson with humble teachable hearts because we know we need to hear your word we need it to change our hearts because we want to grow to be more like you. We want everything we do and everything we think and everything we say to bring you glory. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. So this morning, we have the privilege of hearing from Smed. Smed is um, the elder over women's ministry, so it seems appropriate that he's here this morning. And he'll be teaching a lesson on the vision and purpose and how Wellspring fits into Vision and purpose of Grace Bible Church and stuff like that. After Smed speaks, Ann is going to come in over from Wellspring Kids and give us some important information for those of you who have kids over there. Um, And then I'll get back up again. So, let's go. Do I need to start the recorder? Is it recording?
2: Great. Well, good morning. What a thrill it is to be here with you ladies this morning. Are, are there anybody that is taking Wellspring for the first time this year? Okay. Yeah. This is this is just a thrill. And for Wellspring kids to be going and for you ladies to be here is just uh, exciting. We're going to do two things this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the vision and purpose of Grace Bible Church. And then we're going to talk about what Wellspring is and how it fits into that. Uh, Lots of companies and businesses have vision statements, purpose statements. It's helpful just to get together and think, why are we here and what are we doing? And to summarize what our vision and purpose statement is, it, it is simply this. To think about God rightly and to live accordingly. How should we think about God? And then what does that mean for the way that we live? And so the vision and purpose statement of Grace Bible Church is worded this way. A biblical vision of God leads to our gospel purpose in Christ. What is our biblical vision of God? The glory of God, the cross of Christ, life transformation by the Spirit. And then what does that produce in our lives? Draw in, build up, send out. And and these become sort of uh, mantras that haunt our consciences, things stated in a way that then haunt what we do. So that we're not blown by every wind and trend that comes through. Oh, we should be doing this. Oh, should we be doing this? No. This is a refined statement of what the Bible expects a local church should be. It's our little wording of that. But essentially it means to think about God rightly and to live accordingly. That is a biblical vision and purpose of Grace Bible Church. We used to have bulletins. And and this is printed on the bulletins. Do you remember those pieces of paper we used to head out at church? We may go back to that someday. Um, This is also printed on the architectural feature as you walk into the office. If you ever walk in the the office door of the church at the front, um, before you get to Allie's desk, there's a big thing. Uh, Jeff Kershaw can forgive me for calling it that. There's some architectural word for that thing. It's kind of like a wall, but not. And it has the vision and purpose of Grace Bible Church on there. And that's designed for us to see that daily. Uh, This is in the membership material as you come through the front door of membership at Grace Bible Church because uh, we want to know and remind ourselves what we are all about. So this morning we're going to walk through that vision and purpose statement, and then we're going to talk about how that intersects with uh, Wellspring and this ministry. So let's think about that first part of the vision and purpose statement, the vision. We want to pursue a biblical vision of God. A biblical vision of God. What do we mean by a biblical vision? It just means what are we focused on? How are we viewing God? Uh, And are we intentionally keeping this in front of us regularly? And what we want to pursue is a right view of God, a biblical view of God, a high view of God. It was said by a theologian in the middle of the 20th century. His impression was that the evangelical church had adopted such a low view of God as to not be worthy of the name at all. And when you think about all the misconceptions of who God is that are prevalent in evangelicalism today, you might boil it down to the idea that God is in the service of my self interest. And that has a lot of different flavors. That God is in the service of my self interest. Well, That is so far removed from a biblical view of God as to be blasphemous. God is not a genie in a bottle. God is not one who lives according to the whims of his creatures. He is indeed the potter and we are clay. He is the creator and we are the creation. We are created beings. We are ever and utterly dependent on God. We need to cultivate in our hearts and minds a biblical view of God, a right view of God, a high view of God. Steve Lawson once said, God created man in his own image. And ever since then, man has been returning the favor. (laughs) Right? We tend to craft a vision of God after the way we think. After our own perverse idolatries. After our own whims. And so, how do we recover from such a thing? By the way, if you don't intentionally pursue a biblical vision of God, a high view of God, a biblical perspective of God, you will absorb the views that are around us. It's only natural. Your theology will be by osmosis. What everybody else feels, talks about, thinks about, tweets about, yeah, that's what God's like. And we shouldn't expect a fallen world around us to get God right. We need to be rescued from wrong views of God. So... A biblical view of God means a right view of God. A biblical vision of God implies that this vision and purpose statement is central or, or is located in the centrality of the scriptures. Do you know what it is that you hold in your hands? Thankfully, uh, in the English language, not everybody has God's word in their own language yet. Thankfully, we, we have God's self-disclosure. He has actually told us what he is like, what we are like, why we do what we do, and what the solutions are to all of our problems. God's been so kind, and so we need to recalibrate our hearts, our minds, our thoughts after what God has said. When we talk about a biblical vision and a biblical purpose statement, implied in that is an absolute abject dependence on God's word. We dare not cultivate a vision or a purpose statement. That runs contrary to this or comes from some other so-called authority. We're absolutely dependent on the Word of God. So let's break this down into its parts. The glory of God is the first aspect of this biblical vision of God. And when we talk about glory, what what comes to your mind when you think about glory? Anybody? God deserves the praise. Okay. Praise. Okay, you just hit on two really critical aspects of glory in one sentence, and you're absolutely right. Sometimes when we think about glory, we think, glory be to God. That is ascribed glory, right? That is what we give to God, but that is secondary to God's intrinsic glory. Intrinsic glory is that which God just has in himself, and the Old Testament word for glory is the word kavod, weightiness or heaviness. Right? A, a surfer shows up in the north shore of Hawaii. Here's the big thumping waves that rattle the cliffs and says, dude, that's heavy. He means significant. And the Old Testament word for glory was heaviness, kavod. The New Testament word for glory is doxa or light. We get our word doxology. Uh, and it means an effusion of light or radiating brilliance. Right? You've got in your notes there 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. That's the first text we'll look at this morning. And I want you to see the interchange between intrinsic glory, that which belongs to God and He will not share with anybody else. It just radiates out from His being. Jonathan Edwards called it the sum total of His attributes radiating out in blinding light. That is God's intrinsic glory. No one adds to it, no one takes away from it. It is just His. And it can't help but just burst outward. That's God's glory. And we see that in First Timothy, chapter 6, verse 15. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen nor can see, to him be honor in eternal dominion. Amen. And you see there a description of God's intrinsic glory. Things that belong only to him. And you also see ascribed glory. Paul says, to him be these things. And every time you see an outburst of praise in the Bible, whether it's the entire book of the Psalms, or whether it's those culminating doxologies in New Testament letters, where someone just says, praise the Lord, da-da-da-da-da. Those are ascriptions of glory. That is, God is worthy of being glorified. You think, well, if God is completely complete in himself and and full of intrinsic glory that just radiates out, how in the world can I, the creature, glorify him? Ascribed glory is merely recognizing, saying out loud, singing, or silently being in awe of what God is all by himself. We see both of those there in First Timothy. You're familiar with Romans 11. Romans 11 is the climax of Paul's letter to the Romans where he is explaining the gospel in its fullness. And at the end of an 11-chapter explanation of the good news of Jesus Christ where God saves sinners, we get this doxology, this bursting out in song right there in this letter. Paul says in Romans eleven thirty three and following, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments, unfathomable his ways, who has known the mind of the Lord, who has become his counselor, who is first given to God that it would be paid back to him again, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. A recognition of God's intrinsic glory in who he is and what he's done to save sinners, followed by ascribed glory. God, you're worthy of all praise. A biblical vision of the glory of God will include views of God's intrinsic glory and it's appropriate for his creatures to ascribe glory. In fact, Jesus in the triumphal entry said, if the people don't praise me, what will happen? The rocks will cry out. He's worthy of it all. You've also got in your notes 2 Corinthians 3.18. Turn there. I want you to see this because there's another element of glory that is from him, through him, and to him. And it's in addition to his intrinsic glory and ascribed glory where we praise him. It is also the glorification of his children. This we might see as dispensed glory. God says in Isaiah, I will not share my glory with anybody. He's not going to share his intrinsic glory with anybody. He alone is God, and he will always be unique and alone in his godness. And he will bring to glory those who have believed in Jesus Christ. And he will glorify them. And I want you to see in 2 Corinthians 3.18, this process has actually already begun for you Christians. We all with unveiled face, Paul writes, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, there's intrinsic glory. We are being transformed into that same image from one glory to another glory or from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit, a reference to the Holy Spirit, bringing about transformation of life in you, Christian, from one stage of glory to another. And of course, that's not done in this life. All creation groans, longing to see the glorification of the children of God. The day is coming when one day you will resemble the second person of the Trinity as far as it is possible for a finite being to look like the infinite Son of God. To be glorified means to take on what God is willing to dispense that then reflects his own intrinsic glory. And these little reflectors of God's glory made in His image, redeemed by the blood of His Son, and then conformed to the Son's image, become reflectors of His intrinsic glory, and increase the ascribed glory. And so all of us, looking like Jesus, are these trophies of grace saying, glory be to God, glory be to God, glory be to God, by our very existence in His presence. And that day's is coming. And it's fundamentally why you exist. You exist for God's glory as a creature. You are redeemed for God's glory by grace. And so that leads us to the second aspect of a biblical vision of God. The cross of Christ. There would be no ascribed glory from humans if there were not a cross. There would be no glorification of humans if there were not the humiliation of the Son of God... At the cross. Without the cross of Christ, we have no message as a church. Without the cross of Christ, we have no hope as individual Christians. And without the cross of Christ, God would be intrinsically glorious, but He has seen to bring more glory to Himself by saving sinners. This is staggering. Look at Philippians two eight through eleven. This is what God reveals about his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to earth, emptied himself, took on the form of a slave, being made in the likeness of men. Verse eight, being found in appearance as a man, Jesus humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for this reason. God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those who are on heaven and earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord to the glory of God the Father. So here the glorious one self-humiliates to bring to glory sinners who have no business being in God's glorious presence. And all of that activity brings more glory to God the Father. What a remarkable thing. And a biblical vision of God sees first and foremost the glory of God as the purpose of everything. And salvation of sinners is a penultimate purpose. That is a secondary purpose. It's, it's something God very intentionally does and it flows out of his nature and his character. And it leads to his own glorification. Again, from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's the doxology that comes after and explains why God is saving sinners like us. Now, if that makes you feel smaller than you used to, it's a good thing. Right, If you had a high view of self, high view of man, and you thought, oh, the universe revolves around me, and all of God's activities revolves around saving me because heaven would be lonely without someone like me. It's good to have that chopped out from underneath us, have our legs taken out a little bit. Um, human pride needs to be assaulted. <laughs> but in the end, it turns you around from feeling small to feeling loved? You mean that great, big, glorious God set his affections on me and saved me despite me in order to bring me into the great, glorious goodness and joy of his exquisite presence? How could I ever get there? Not on my goodness, not on my merit. But only on the kindness of God who loved me when I was unlovable. And then you realize the grace of God is so big, and my eternity is so big and so grand and so glorious because of God's kindness in the gospel. And so for us, the cross of Christ becomes everything, it becomes everything, it becomes our boast, our song. What do you want to tell people about yourself when they bump into you? I'm saved by the cross of Christ. It's the most important thing about you. It ought to be the most important thing about our church. The day a local church leaves behind the cross of Christ. It is no longer a church. It has no message. It has no hope for anybody in the world. So that has to be part of our biblical vision. If we're going to think biblically as a church, if we're going to think biblically about God and about ourselves and about Christ, we don't think of him as a good moral teacher first and foremost. And we don't even really think about uh, the fact that, well, somebody died in my place to take away my sins. No, we think about it was the King of kings and the Lord of lords who humbled himself, took on the form of a slave and went to the cross. And so the cross work of Christ is not just about substitutionary atonement. It's about the one who came to the cross and bore our sins as a substitute of atonement. Who then emptied his own tomb, ascended, makes intercession before us at the right hand of the Father, comes again one day to reign on the earth and set everything right. He is our Lord. He is good. He is King. And the King saves sinners. What an amazing thing. To have our eyes fixed on Christ is shorthand for all of that. And the third aspect of this biblical vision of the Spirit, notice this is Trinitarian. Glory of the Father, the cross work of the Son, and life transformation by the Spirit. I don't know everybody's uh, biblical, churchy, theological backgrounds. Um, some of you may have come from backgrounds uh, that placed a lot of emphasis on the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Some of you may have come from backgrounds that responded against excesses of that and have become essentially pneumatological atheists. Like, is there even such a thing as the Holy Spirit? Not a thing. A person. Right? Um, It's really important for us to understand how absolutely dependent we are every single day on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a Christian. I've given you some texts. We won't read all of these uh, this morning, but I'll summarize them for you in the order they appear in your notes. Um, And maybe you can just write above the text each of these categories. Um, Without the act, I'll get to them in a second. Without the active work of the Holy Spirit, we would still be spiritually dead. We could not believe. We would not be washed of our sins, sealed for eternity, empowered for Christian living, able to fight sin, have love and affection for God, or be conformed to the image of Christ. The Holy Spirit is personally responsible for every one of those things. If you try to write them down, I'm sorry. Here's what you can write down. Are you ready? John 3, 3-8, to 8, the idea there is new birth. Titus 3, 5-7, to 7, the word is regeneration, which is a fancy word for new birth. But the Titus passage also says regeneration and washing by the Holy Spirit. So in addition to being born again, You were washed clean by the Holy Spirit. It's one of his roles. Over Ephesians 1, you can write the word sealing. Sealing. That is, God puts his seal or stamp of ownership on you and secures you, believer, forever by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the seal that God the Father sees on the life of a believer and says, mine. Will not let them go our guarantee Over Romans 8, 9 to 11, you can write indwelling. Indwelling. And if you're a really fast scribbler, you can write permanent indwelling. And that is the section in Romans 8 where Paul is saying, if you're in Christ, you have the Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling in you, you're not a Christian. To be a Christian means to be permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. He lives inside you. And Paul details, details for us in 1 Corinthians 3 and 6 that that is an individual reality. Your individual person is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And a corporate reality, y'all, which is good Texan and good Greek,
0: <laughs>
2: are a temple of the Holy Spirit as a body of believers. Um, over Romans 8, 12 to 14, you can write the leading, leading. And again if you're a fast scribbler you can write the holy spirit leads his children to put to death the deeds of the body <laughs> people talk about the leading of the holy spirit there is one passage about the leading of the holy spirit in your bible for the christian life it is romans 8 and specifically in romans 8 the leading of the holy spirit is the leading of the christian who is indwelt by the holy spirit to put to death deeds of the body we already saw that in second corinthians 3 18. what is the holy spirit doing Transforming you from one glory to another glory into the image of Christ. What is the evidence of the Christian uh, Christians being really alive, having been born again by the Holy Spirit, permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Well, a Christian is going to be led by that Holy Spirit dwelling in him to put to death the deeds of the body. And you're thinking, "Wait, I still sin." Yes, <laughs> until you go home to be with Christ, you will still sin. But a Christian will also be about the active pursuit of putting to death the deeds of the body, being led by the Holy Spirit to do so. That's one of his roles in the life of a Christian. By the way, you could not put sin to death without the Holy Spirit. You just can't. Um, it's his power we rely upon. Um, the next text is Romans 8:15 to 17. Over those numbers, you can write witness witness. The Holy Spirit is a witness specifically to our filial relationship to God. That is our father, daughter, father, son, adopted relationship to God. God is my father personally. I love him and he loves me. I belong to him. I'm in his family. And the Holy Spirit is an internal witness to that reality. What does that mean? Christian, you feel like you belong to God the Father. It's one of the Holy Spirit's roles in the life of a believer. There are things that can interfere with that feeling. Harboring unrepentant sin is one of those. So don't do that. <laughs> Enjoy the filial relationship you have to God. Um, and again, if the Holy Spirit is leading you to put to death the deeds of the body, washing, one glory to another, clean conscience, short accounts, God's my Father, and I, I sin against Him, it's possible for me to displease Him and to grieve the Spirit and I mean loves me. It's one of the roles of the Holy Spirit. And over the last one, Second Corinthians 3.18, you can write sanctification. Sanctification. Um, progressive Jesusification, if you want to call it that. You're being made step by step to look more like Christ. It's the Holy Spirit's work in your life. If we did not have the Holy Spirit, we would not have life transformation. If we do not have life transformation, you and I do not become walking trophies of God's grace and the transformative power of God in the gospel. And the testimony of the power of the gospel goes empty. I don't know if you've ever wondered this question. Well, if God hates sin and he's saving me from sin, why, does, why, don't, I get, why don't I just believe in Jesus and then get hit by a truck? And I would never sin again, and that would be the most pleasing thing to God. Well, apparently it pleases God to leave you here in a mixed condition, we'll talk about later this year. To pursue Him, to cling to Him in faith, to yield to the work of His Holy Spirit and the Word of God in your life. And it pleases Him to make you look more and more like His Son in progress before a watching world so they can see the transformative power of the gospel and the word and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So that when you say, believe in Jesus, God is saying, and look what I do in a life, surrender to Jesus. Is there a relationship between the glory of God, the cross work of Christ, and life transformation by the Spirit? Yes, here it is. The intrinsically glorious God receives ascribed glory for redeeming lost people by the cross of Christ dispensing glory as he by the Holy Spirit transforms them from one glory to another to bring them to resemble his glorious son and all of that echoes into eternity for the glory of God how long does it take to cultivate a fully orbed vision of God a lifetime A lifetime of cultivating our hearts underneath the faucet of God's word. Uh, A lifetime of recalibrating our affections for him under God's word. Uh, So don't think that um, writing down everything Smed tried to say today um, is going to give you everything you need to think rightly about God. I want this to be an appetizer for a lifetime of pursuit of God and his word, for a lifetime of surrounding yourself with people who are placing themselves under god's word to cultivate godward hearts uh, to create a, a culture of godwardness in our church and beyond all of that biblical vision of god leads us to a gospel purpose in other words think rightly about god now live accordingly okay what does that mean draw in build up send out it's a great way to summarize what grace bible church is about draw in build up send out um, you've got some notes there with some passages. Uh, we might jump into some of those. Um, we're going to get it. Speed up a little bit to uh, get to how does Wellspring fit in. You're thinking, speed up, he's talking too fast already. Slow down. <laughs> draw in. How was that? Somebody tell him to draw in a breath. <laughs> We believe in the principle of regenerate church membership. That is, who is the church? Who is the church is a different question than who comes to church, right? The the, the people that show up at a building is different than, well, the church is gathered. And we have a mixed audience. We might have a mixed audience in this room. We certainly have a mixed audience in this building right now. If you brought your wonderful little bundles of depravity with you this morning, we have a mixed audience in this building. And your children are not Christians because they're here. They're not Christians just because they agree with everything mom and dad says about the Bible. New birth is required. You've got in your notes John 3. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be what? What? born again not slowly inculcated with Christian culture <laughs> not progressively reprogrammed from the outside by behavioral change no Nicodemus everything you were before this conversation with Jesus is wrong you have to start over it, the, you're you, who you are Nicodemus will never get into heaven you are not qualified for the kingdom of God Something has to happen of dramatic significance, of supernatural, miraculous proportions. You've got to be born again. The Bible's full of language like this. The, the old man dies. A new man comes at new birth. Behold, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Creation. Uh, not, a, not one of these, um, hey, we bought this house... Uh, reality TV shows. We're going to tear out that wall. We're going to put in these new windows, add some carpet, paint it good. Not a renovation. (laughs) Unless you're talking about a ground-up renovation. Raise the building. Which is a weird word in the English language. sounds like build it up. It means tear it down. Start over. You must be born again. And so we don't make any assumptions about people coming to church. When we talk about drawing in, we mean... um, are you a believer? Get used to the conversation of, hey, how, how did you come to know Christ? And listen for the gospel. Listen for life transformation. It's not that we'll we're, we're put everybody under a microscope, but how tragic would it be for people to sit at Grace Bible Church all their lives, never have been asked a heart-level question about whether or not they're in Christ, and go to the lake of fire? Of all places, should people hear how the gospel intersects their own personal real life? Of course. So we don't make assumptions about that. Drawing in is understanding that people don't do church life right or in a God pleasing way or a Godward way without new birth. The church is made up of the regenerate. Which, by the way, is the work of God. Um, You've got John 6.44 on there. Uh, That simply says, No one comes to me except the Father who sent me draws him. Who does the work of draw in? God. And you. (laughs) Because God uses means. God uses means to translate the Bible into our language. God uses means to have somebody proclaim the gospel to you. God used the means of your surrendering to the gospel in the process of new birth and belief. Did you decide to follow Jesus one day? Yes, you did. Not because you could, but because you were born again. And all of a sudden, God gave you a new disposition, new desires, new decision-making. I love Jesus. I thought he was boring. I love him. Something happened. It's called new birth. And you decided to follow Jesus. So this drawing in, it's the work that only God can do. I give you Acts 13, 48, because it says, everybody who is destined to believe heard the gospel and believed. Who did the believing? The sinner who all of a sudden realized it. I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus. And why, fundamentally, did anybody ever believe who was dead to spiritual things? Because they were made alive. Ephesians 1, 5. So drawing in building up. Uh, when, when somebody is here, uh, th- this is not a big tent crusade. Let's get decisions for Christ, move on to the next city. No, Jesus said, make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, right? What does it mean to make disciples? It It, it means the equipping model of doing church. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4 when we talk about the equipping model of doing church, what we mean is we want to be obedient to what God says in his blueprint for the church about how to do church. Why do pastors exist? Oh, yeah, pastors do the ministry. No, it's not what the Bible says. Look at Ephesians 4, beginning in verse, let's see. 11. Jesus gave some as apostles some as prophets some as evangelists some as pastors and teachers why for the equipping of the saints for the work of service that word service is the word ministry to the building up of the body of Christ whose job is ministry in the local church you Christian what is the pastor's job do the ministry for you share the gospel with the people in your home show up at your work and evangelize the next cubicle Uh, show up in your neighborhood tell your neighbors about no no pastor's job is to equip all the saints to do the work of the ministry and what is that ministry laid out for us in ephesians 4 i'll just summarize it for us here it is growth in christ you and y'all that your individual responsibility according to ephesians 4 believer is the growth of the body your christian life is not just yours to live all for yourself your bible reading in the morning is not just about you it's not just a pep talk it is about the growth of the whole body Um, Growth in Christ, you and y'all, it is also about discernment. So growth in Christ is verse 13. Uh, Verse 14 talks about discernment. We're not to be children tossed about by winds and waves of every doctrine that comes along. Um, it is about speaking the truth in love. Verse fifteen. That's everybody's responsibility. Speaking the truth in love. By the way, if it's not loving, it's not true. If it's not true, if it's not loving, right? Those things go together. We should never make a enemies of truth and love, as if speaking the truth is unloving. Well, that's not biblical. Um, and you should never think that you're speaking the truth truly if you don't love the person you're speaking to. That's not biblical either. And that's all of our responsibility. That is the ministry in the local church. And then verse 16, church growth. And, and you can write down corporate awareness. That is, you, you recognize that each individual part, verse 16, has to work properly. And those, those individual parts actually have to get together, what Paul calls in Ephesians 4.16, every joint of the supply. That is where we rub shoulders with one another, interact with one another, be with each other, is taking on new meaning in the coronavirus era. Um, the growth of the body of Christ into Christ-likeness and discernment and truth and love and all these things actually happens. And it's blunted when you and I as individuals are not operating properly, and it's blunted when we're not getting together. This is God's model for the ministry and the pastor's task is to build all the saints up to that end. So it's not enough to get people saved— but building up. And it's not enough to build up a great building right here and just enjoy it. Like, wow, look what we built. This is cool. This church is operating on 13 out of 16 cylinders. This is really cool. No, draw in, build up, send out. It's part of making disciples. A church must think beyond its own walls. Right? If you get yourself into a small group and you really like your small group and the 12 people in your small group are the people you want to stay your small group forever... There's an ecclesiological problem in your mind. You're not thinking beyond your own comfort. You have to be thinking, this has to grow. Until every tongue and tribe and nation and people are represented around the throne of the Lamb as detailed for us in Revelation nine. Jesus purchased people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and people. And the task of the church is not done until the church goes to the ends of the earth. And so that sending out idea has significant implications for how we think about ourselves as a church. Look, if at some point down the road, and I'm not telling you any secret plans of the elders. It's just hypothetical. But if at some point down the road, the elders discover, hey, there's a need in this segment of the valley. And three elders and 150 of you are going to go over there and start a church, plant a church. We'll cry and we'll rejoice that this is happening. This is in the DNA of the way God programmed the church. Not that you get a little slice of heaven here and get comfortable with it, but that you get drawn in, built up, and sent out. That is a biblical vision of ministry. I give you Matthew 28, Romans 10, and Revelation 5 in your notes. That is just a really important chain of text to think through together. Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. Jesus sent out the disciples and said, Make disciples of all nations sending you. Revelation 5 is that scene in heaven where people from every tongue, tribe, nation, and people are surrounding the throne of the Lamb. How do you get from Matthew 28 to Revelation 5? Through Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call if they don't hear? How will they hear if no one tells them? How will anybody tell them if they don't go? How will they go if they're not sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so we follow that chain. God is sovereign, and he will bring all his own to himself, but he will do it through means. All right, let's turn the corner. How does Wellspring fit into this? Uh, let's ask, what, what time am I supposed to be done? Is it already over? Okay. Good. That's good. Um, what is Wellspring, and how does it fit into that vision and purpose of Grace Bible Church? Let me tell you, Wellspring is not a Bible study. Hey, those of you who have done this before, you know that. It's not a Bible study in the way we typically think of women's ministry in a, a women's Bible study, where we all get a, a book, a, a, a Christian women's book, and we read it together, or we go verse by verse through a book of the Bible. That is not to say we don't study the Bible. Uh, this is going to be Bible-saturated all year long. But it is uh, different than just, what does the next verse of the text of some book say? There's a place for that. It's important. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, But this is a a really critical ministry because it fulfills what I believe is the singular mandate for women's ministries in local churches. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Wellspring has a very intentional aim. And that intentional aim is to fulfill what God says local churches must be doing with women's ministries. And that is laid out for us in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2, verse 3, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Those are some very specific instructions about women discipling women in the local church, women instructing women in the local church, women admonishing women in the local church. These are musts. These are duties. These are commands from the Lord. And and maybe you've been in another context where lots of things are done under the banner of women's ministries. And by the way, there can be great things. Book studies, expositional Bible studies, ladies' teas, luncheons, hospitality events fun things. I think churches should do all of those things. But if a church does all of those things I just mentioned, and does not do Titus 2, it has failed fundamentally as a women's ministry. It has failed fundamentally as a women's ministry. With a bunch of good things, it fails. A women's ministry must do what Titus 2 says. It has to. Otherwise, the church itself is failing to follow God's script for the local church. So this is why we want every woman at Grace Bible Church to go through Wellspring. It's designed to be a, a format for pursuing these things and developing the kinds of discipleship relationships that bring a forum for these things for a lifetime in the local church. Right? This isn't a class you take. check off. I did Titus 2. Now it's on to <laughs> something else. This is the one passage in your Bible that speaks specifically to what women's ministry in the local church must be. There are many things a women's ministry can be, but these are the things a ministry must be. And you might say, well, look, I want to study the nuances of the architecture and the priestly functions in Ezekiel's depiction of the millennial temple in Ezekiel 40 to 48. When are we going to do that for a women's ministry? (laughs) There is a place for women to pursue detailed study of Scripture, all of Scripture. By the way, there are Bible studies being developed and written for that very thing. There's a Titus study already written, a James study already written, working, in development. Those things are coming, um, and and there are lots of good materials already out there that can be used for instruction in women's ministry. Those we absolutely have categories for that. Uh, we believe in those things so strongly that we want women at Grace Bible Church to be involved in those things. Um, so this isn't an either-or. This is a both-and. But the Titus two side of things, the wellspring side of things, is a must. It's a must. And you might say, well, what I what I really need right now is practical instruction on how to survive being a mom to my little ones, or how to improve my marriage, or instruction on whom to marry. I need answers to practical life questions. That's what I really need. And there's a place for that. There is a place for pointed, specific instructions on seasons of life and specific needs that women have, uh, both in an organic way and a programmatic way. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, um, not everything that the church must do must be done by a program, right? This is a program. It facilitates lots of us doing the same thing at the same time. It's great, Um, but there's lots of discipleships and more organic relationships in the church where lots of these things happen and should be happening. And my hope is this room is fuel for lots of that non-programmatic discipleship, care, evangelism, admonition, encouragement, all of that happen on a regular basis. And and it is in significant ways already. Seeking doctrinal um, precision and practical life instruction, both of those are really important pursuits for women seeking to please the Lord. But if we neglect the things laid out for us in Wellspring. You cannot succeed succeed, either in practical life things nor in doctrinal precision. Because both of those areas are dependent on the condition of your heart. And that's the heartbeat of what Wellspring is all about. What is Wellspring? Wellspring is instruction and discipleship in the building blocks of faithful Christian living. It is the discipline of self-shepherding. Of you being a shepherd over your own soul. It is the discipline of that shepherding expanding into your home and the relationships closest to you, and expanding from there into the life of the church, and serving others, and even beyond the church. Wellspring is a set of disciplines that we are never to graduate from, never to move on from. These disciplines are to become the basic fabric of our thinking as individual Christians and as members of the body of Christ. By the way, these are the same disciplines that the men are pursuing and build. These are the same disciplines that students are taught in student ministries, that young adults are taught in the 414 ministry, that are reinforced in the trust, that are uh, reinforced and taught at the seminary level for the guys studying for pastoral ministry, um, and are regularly rehearsed by the elders, the pastors, the deacons, the leadership, the small group leaders at Grace Bible Church. Again, this isn't a class you take, okay, did that, I heard about those disciplines, I did them for a year. Now on to bigger and better things. There aren't bigger and better things. This is just the Christian life. If you're newer at Grace Bible Church, you you may hear people talking about shepherding your heart. What is that? I've never met a real shepherd in life. Um, What does that mean? This phrase is a reference to Discipline 1 in Wellspring. Discipline 1 of Build. That is, a regular daily discipline in the Christian life to self-shepherd, to direct your own heart Godward. Specifically, to bring your heart before the Word of God, to meet with the God of the Word regularly, daily. It is the discipline of mind renewal, Romans 12, 2, or Psalm 1. It, It is not standing in the way of sinners, sitting in the seat of scoffers, and whatever the other thing in that triad is, but it's putting your mind and heart under the Word of God, which is liberty and life. It is replacing wrong thoughts, errant doctrine, misplaced priorities, selfish, earthly, short-term, and carnal ideas with God's thoughts, with truth, with God's liberating, life-giving word. It is learning to think the way God thinks. That is what heart shepherding is. It's meeting with him and reflecting him in my worldview. Shepherding your heart means you come to God's word not to win a theological argument. Not to get some motivation for your day, not to check off the box of I'm supposed to, and then I can hold it over, over other people because I did it and you didn't. And it is not to bargain with God. If I read two chapters of the Bible today, I expect God to make my day go smoothly. Do you ever do that? I read my Bible today, God, and, and this day just fell apart. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that is not why we come to God's Word. It is the Christian woman's duty, delight, and discipline to bring her own heart, thoughts, emotions, motives, will, and priorities to God. Lay them before Him to let those things be exposed by the surgical precision of God's Word and to be transformed. To know His ways, to know Him, to love Him, to love what He loves, to bring your life into conformity with His ways. This is discipline one. And this is where the namesake for wellspring comes from, Proverbs 4.23. Anybody know it? What does it say? Put you on the spot.
1: Above all else, guard
0: your heart, for it is the wellspring of life.
2: Okay, what is your heart? It is the wellspring of life. It is that from which all of life flows. And and biblically, we'll get through this throughout the, the year, but your heart is your mind your feelings, it's the way you think, it's how you feel. And by the way, there's a connection between your feelings and your thoughts. Trace your feelings back to your thoughts. There's always a thought under the feeling. Okay? Um, it is your will. It's what motivates you. It's your priorities. Never underestimate the value, the eternal value of the influence of a godly woman on a home, on a church in a neighborhood, on successive generations of believers. Listen, a woman cultivating a Godward heart is a force, a means of supernatural power and eternal influence. And it all starts with the essential discipline of shepherding your own heart to meet with God on a regular basis, to know him, to love him, to have your life yielded to his ways in simple faith. God, I believe you. I don't know everything you said. I, I, I got to know it. <laughs> and entrust yourself to Him. You cannot be for a generation to come what you are not here and now in a local body of believers. So, discipline three is service in the church. But you cannot be in a local body of believers what you are not in your home. That's discipline two, being a shepherd in your own home of those relationships. And you cannot be in your own home an influence that you are not at your own heart level. That's discipline one. These things work together? How do they fill in, fit into the vision and purpose of GBC? Well, think about the, that biblical vision of God, right view of God. Where are you going to get that? Come to meet with God every day, get to know Him. By the way, you'll never exhaust this book. If, if it got boring, you're doing it wrong. By the way, I've been bored. I've wanted to walk away from, you know, coffee table and Bible and coffee. Uh, actually take the coffee with me, leave the Bible behind. I I don't always feel like getting up and reading my Bible. But it's not because there's something wrong with this. You will never exhaust it. The the God who wrote this is infinite in proportion. And nobody in a lifetime can master this. And so it it ought to be something that always um, creates an appetite for more. And by the way, when I feel like not reading my Bible, I just admit it. God, I don't feel like reading your word. Help me. And we bring ourselves to this on a daily basis. Where else are you going to get a biblical vision of God? And then drawing on, think about your homes. Uh, if you've got roommates, if you've got a husband, if you've got kids, captive audience for evangelism and discipleship. If you ever dream dreams of, man, someday I want to fly to another continent And learn another language, meet some people, and share the gospel, and then I'll be radical for Christ. Just be normal for Christ in your home. (laughs) Talk about him when you sit down and you stand up and you rise up and all the rest. It's a really remarkable place. And by the way, your home is so much more strategic for evangelism than cold turkey evangelism at Mill Avenue. By the way, there are people in our church who are believers because people share the gospel with them cold turkey on Mill Avenue. So I'm not shorting that. But in your home, along with bare gospel proclamation, is your life as a trophy of God's transformative power in the gospel. God puts your own life on display. And it's not perfect. You might think, oh, what do you mean not perfect? It's ugly. (laughs) God's using it. You pursue him, and that life is on display before an unbelieving world in your home. Gospel proclamation comes with a life lived for Him, and then in your home, you you build up the, the believers in your home. Um, we, we build them up with the task of sending them out. We're at the phase where we're talking with our kids right now. What do you want to be when you grow up? I don't ever want to grow up. Right? Okay. <laughs> what do you want to be <laughs> later? Um, do, do we have the intestinal fortitude if one of our kids says? I want to go to Papua New Guinea and preach the gospel where it's not yet known. Oh no 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 no. That's for the laymans.
0: <laughs>
2: that's for the cans and the Dodds and the Mitchells and sweet Amelia. But not my kids. Ooh, am I preparing my home to send them out? It's hard. And and that's the task. And so the home becomes a microcosm for the church. Wellspring and build their critical ministries in helping the women and the men of this church be equipped to draw and build up and send out. I want to talk a little bit about the expectations. Melissa's going to tell you more about it. Um, There's some homework. There's some discussion groups. um, There's Bible reading. You're going to get a Bible reading plan. The encouragement is to read the whole Bible in a year. You might not make it. I hope you aim for it. I hope you do it. One of the things that reading the entire Bible in a year will do for you is in one year from now, you will have confidence that you have put your eyes on every word that God has written in this book. And no one can say to you, oh yeah, but there's that verse that says God helps those who help themselves. And you go, that's not in there. I read it. I read the whole thing. (laughs) If you haven't read the whole Bible yet, read the whole Bible. Just want to give you that encouragement. And so a Bible reading plan gives you kind of bite-sized chunks to help do that. Just by way of illustration, you know the big blue wall out here? That big blue wall, you can see it all with one glance, right? You can just look at it. Hey, there's that big blue wall. Did you know that the entire New American Standard Bible fits on that blue wall on 8 by 10 steel panels in 12-point font? I don't know if that's any helpful perspective. You're like, what is this, a Vietnam War Memorial? No, I just mean like you can see the whole Bible like it's readable. We're, We're working on putting it up there. Jeff Kershaw's formatting it. So we've been working at the text edit and all that to get that. So we're hoping to get that up there. But you can read it. I want to encourage you to, to read it. Um, there are slower plans available given season of life and those kinds of things too. Um, let me just give you one last encouragement about the small group discussion groups. If a small group discussion group and the vulnerability and transparency that comes with that, the potential exposure that comes with that is scary. Let me just affirm that. Yes, it's scary. And it's so good so good. Let me just encourage you ladies, make the most of this year in Wellspring and open up. Open up. Whatever the questions are, I don't want to step on your toes, those of you who have written really precise questions to get at specific things. Whatever the question is, answer it with, what's going on in your life right now? Right? You can avoid reality and accountability and exposure sometimes by answering the question for what it asks. Don't cheat yourself. You should answer the questions, but, but go farther than that. And, and sometimes we get the impression that everybody else in, my, in this little discussion group has it all together. Let me just tell you right now, we don't. We don't. Nobody has it all together. And, and it's a lie of Satan to keep us from benefiting from each other's lives when we give into that deception. Everybody in your small group discussion group, your small group leader included, is a sinner in a mixed condition. Who fights wrong priorities and temporal perspectives and fleshly desires and all the rest. Just open up and benefit. And you'll find that you're actually a benefit and encouragement to others when you do that. I'm out of time. Over time. See you later. (laughs)
0: Anne's going to be coming in in a minute, but I'll just go ahead and get started until she gets here um, so we don't waste any of your time. So um, so this is the 11th year of Wellspring. I don't know if any of you know that. I think that's kind of amazing. Um, uh, so I'm so thankful for all the ladies and the men who have gone before and, and made this possible. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Melissa James. Um, I think it's my 11th year in Wellspring, but honestly, I don't remember. It could be 10. Um, I don't know if we count all of last year, 10 and a half, maybe. (laughs) Um, So uh, I've been a part of Grace Bible Church since 2007, and I have two girls. They are 13 and 16. Um, So if you ever have any questions or concerns about anything in Wellspring, go ahead and feel free to contact me. And that stack of papers you got today should have my, I don't know, maybe my phone number, maybe my email. There should be some contact information, or you can just grab me on a Sunday, look at that phone number and email look at that um so feel free to do that oh and Anne's here see that's why I got started do you want to come do your little spiel Yes.
1: okay well here we are we're back we are so 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 excited to be back on our side this is your side that's our side Um, Let's see, here's my announcements. Please pick up your children or child as soon as possible when you're done with your discussion groups. That helps workers so we can clean our rooms and be done. Um, The well sick child policy, back in the day, a year ago, I wouldn't have even probably mentioned it now and mentioning it. You have it. Please follow it. Follow it for yourselves too. If you're sick, stay home. Use common sense. Um, if you have, you know, because I, I know what happens. You come, you go home, and your kid gets sick. I don't know. I guess send me an email and let me know, um, and I'll pray, and we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but use common sense on that, um, the the only difference, we increase the time, um, if your child had a fever, we want you to wait 48 hours. It used to be 24, we kind of split the difference because some said 24, some said 72, and I was like, okay, let's go with 48. Um, but just please use common sense. This is especially now, we, we don't want to shut down. Um, So that's that. Um, This year, again, this is super important, allergy alert. We have a little guy that does have a very severe tree nut allergy. Please don't bring anything with nuts, peanuts. Um, I know we've got one guy that's uh, apples and something. Um, That, we're not, I think you guys aren't even doing snacks, right? But just be mindful especially the nuts so if you're packing your child a snack no tree nuts no peanuts just be safe on that um okay this one put put your brains on your child will stay in the same class wherever they went today that's their class if they have a birthday they stay in the same class it's different than next gen so where your child is for Wellspring is not the same as next, next generation. So remember that. Now, if, if you, for some reason, feel like your child's not in the right class, um, come talk to me or talk to Kim Maxwell. And we can, you know, we can adjust things if we need to. And we may move them. We may say, wow, this child would be better younger older whatever that means nothing a lot of times it's just oh this class has too many we need to move them don't take it personally like oh my child's you know got a problem it's not that we're just we're, we're trying to make these classes balanced and so do that if you have any questions about the kids stuff or if you have a problem please call kim <laughs> No. Um, call either one of us um, our names and our numbers and our emails are down here at the bottom of the page if you have any questions um, then the other quick thing everybody gets to serve on our side on the fun side um, twice and so if you can't serve when I've assigned you please reach out to look for a week, you've got everybody's email and email, and find somebody else, and then um, just shoot me a text or an email and let me know that you've switched. You put our what what yes, you have that in there. Some you should have that in there. Is nobody finding? second to the last. Oh, there it is. Okay. You uh, do no. Second to the last of, of the packet you picked up. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. You um. you're It's in the very Where are you finding it? it's where at the very back of women in the bible we're women in the bible I guess you are when you're studying it it's not in the new ones you know what we will. I will run over and 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 get some copies of it. Yeah, it looks like this. It says Wellspring Kids serving rotational. Oh, you found it. Okay. Yeah, almost the last. But if some of you are missing it, who's missing it? Raise your hand. Okay, Tanya. It's in the very back. Keep going, maybe. Okay. Okay. You know what, I'll go print some on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that, thank you, Jan. If, okay. Reach out to Allie or Rachel, and she'll send you a link. You, she should be sending you a link, but you know what? If you want to reach out to her, um, too. But one way or the other, yeah, because you do need to have your your clearance, okay? So. Do to go No, it's online. It's, yeah, it's online. you Yeah, yeah. No, it's I don't know again, if anybody has any questions, um, just reach out to me. We're we're thrilled to have your kids. I don't want to say. This too out. I'm not superstitious, but they're doing pretty well. We've got a few that are sad, a few that have quivery lips, but for the most part, considering these kids have not been away from their moms and dads for eight months, they haven't done this. They're doing well. And the other thing to remember, if they're crying, they're alive. So, So honestly, we. Pretty much, we're not coming to get you unless they're vomiting or blood. That's my my thing. Now, if you don't like that, you will talk. You know, if you would prefer your child not crying, come talk to me and I'll explain to you that it's a good thing. The kids are zero. To eight months. All right, zero sorry. to eight years old. And then we get to choose what. No. I put you wearing each. Other. Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. Thanks, ladies. Thank, Thank you, I'm you. Sorry. No, you're fine. She's so funny. Um, I'm so so thankful for those ladies over there. Because of them, we get to be in here. <laughs> um, there was a period of time this summer that we didn't know if this was going to happen because it was waiting on that. So I'm very, very thankful for them. So um, let's go back to where we were. So this morning is not what a normal Wellspring morning is gonna look like. Um, Usually we're gonna have teaching first and then we break up in discussion groups. And we're gonna do that next time, not next week, in two weeks, because we meet every other week. Um, Wellspring begins at 9.20. We actually start at (laughs) 9.20. So um, please be here on time. And we end at 11. We will, you can arrive anytime you'd like for a fellowship beforehand. Um, You can start dropping off your kids at 910. Uh, That gives you some time to get them dropped off and get over here and pick up your papers and have a seat. Um, If you get here after 920, the front doors will probably be locked because we just aren't in the greatest neighborhood. Um, Kenny is out there. Some of you probably saw him, he's a really big guy. He also sets up this room for us and all of the chairs, and then he cleans it up afterwards. And he's our security guard, so give him a thank you on your way out the door. But if you get here after 9.20, you might need to ring the doorbell. It's on the left of the doors. Um, It rings into the office, and they can send someone out to let you in. Um, So that would really be great. So let's talk about, Smed talked about this a little bit, and actually I was back there crossing things off as he was talking. I was like, well, he's saying that, I don't need to. but let's talk about the purpose of Wellspring. So on the backs of your notebooks or somewhere in your notebook, um, if you were got a notebook this morning or if you have an old one, it should have um, the purpose of Wellspring written on the back. Does someone want to read that out loud for us? Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. To and encourage the women of great Bible church, the shepherd their lives in that the lives, the church Thanks. So the goal of Wellspring is to take you, believing women who have made Grace Bible Church your home, um, to unite around three disciplines. And I'm just going to try to go over these really broad. Um, every week we talk about at least one of the disciplines more in depth. Um, so this is just like a broad overview to get a, a good idea of what we're doing here this year. So The elders, like you kind of heard from Smed this morning, um, their desire is that women of Grace Bible Church have a united understanding of what it looks like to minister to and disciple each other and those in our homes um, toward Christ. So um, Wellspring is an eight-month commitment. Kind of like Smed was saying, it's not just a Bible study. It's it's the lessons build on each other. Um, It's really important to listen, um, to do the homework, uh, and to stay committed for the year so um when when i say commitment i I don't mean that if you miss a week you can't come back (laughs) we would like you to come back um and sometimes that means you're sick or your kids are sick or i don't know you go out of town um and those things happen and that's totally fine um so but by making a commitment i mean as much as it depends on you to be here um pray and ask the lord for help to make this commitment um to do all that you can through his grace um and, and to be here as often as you can, and that takes planning. Um, for me, uh, it means putting all the dates in my calendar, and they're all in your notebook, you can go home and put them all in your calendar. Um, it means that I don't make appointments on Wednesday morning. It means that I get my notebook and Bible all ready the night before. It means I don't do my homework on the night before. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. Um, it means for me, I am not, well, I have older kids, so, I don't do anything for them anymore it seems like but that they're not rushed on wednesday mornings so that um i'm not rushed on wednesday morning so we can get here on time um so we're just asking you to make a commitment to see it through and if you do miss you'll probably get a call or an email from your discussion group leader and that's not like we're checking up on you we just want to hear how you're doing and we're concerned about you so that's the only reason um so one of the benefits of making this a commitment with the Lord is that when obstacles come up, because they will, um, trust me, they will, because they do every year, um, for myself included, <laughs> um, you can know that God knew all about that when you made this commitment to be here. So so that's just an encouragement to you to persevere, to come back. Um, all of the lessons are online, so you can listen online, you can print off the homework and the outlines. you can uh, bring it back the next week. So let's talk about um the front of our notebooks and the it, written there is our wellspring verse which smed also talked about proverbs four twenty three. above all else guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life so a wellspring um is is the head or the source of a spring or river it's where all the water comes from um and it it signifies continual supply i think it's kind of hard for arizonans or phoenicians at least to picture that water flowing continually <laughs> um, so when Proverbs four twenty three tells us that our heart is the wellspring of life it's saying that all of life flows out of our hearts our heart is our inner man it's our inner person um, it sums up who we are inwardly speaking we all have an outer man um, the physical part of us you know our hands and our facial expressions and stuff but for this we're talking about our inner man And we know that there's nothing that comes out of us that didn't first reside in our hearts. So our heart is the source of our motives, our desires, our will, our intentions, our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our opinions, our priorities, and our emotions. Everything comes out of our heart. Um, And we're gonna talk about this all year long, what that looks like. So let's talk about the disciplines real quick. I know Smed, talked about them a little bit. Does someone want to read Discipline 1? That's also on the back of your notebook if you want to flip over. Does someone want to read number 1 for us? Jen, thanks. Great. So, we must shepherd, and Smed talked about that this morning, our hearts to the Word of God to get to the God of the word. And I know that's a phrase that um, we hear a lot around here at Grace Bible Church. Um, Discipline one brings together two essential aspects of shepherding our hearts. The first one is, the faithful woman of God shepherds her heart worshipfully toward God. Um, And I know Smed talked a little bit about what shepherd our heart means. And and I think it's kind of a, um, it's a GBC phrase, (laughs) shepherd your heart. So I wanna make sure that we all understand what we mean because you're going to hear it a lot um, this year. So scripture talks about shepherd your heart in um, a variety of ways. And we're not going to turn to all of these passages because we don't have time. Um, So Hebrews 4.16 talks about drawing near with confidence to the throne of grace, which of course means to our savior who sits on that throne. Hebrews 7 and 10 repeatedly talk about drawing near to God. James 4, 8 tells us, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Colossians 3, the first two verses say, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and here we go, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. Hebrews eleven six 6 talks about seeking God. Um, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. So you can also see that discipline one doesn't end with just shepherding our hearts. It says we have to shepherd our hearts worshipfully through the word of God and in particular the gospel. So it's important to remember both of these. Um, And like Smed said, nobody has arrived. (laughs) There's always room for growth for all of us. So we are here to encourage each other with this all year long. we want to encourage one another to grow, um, to be women who draw near to God through the word of God. Um, oftentimes we, we can hear others talking about this. We get an idea that a, a person has drawn near to God because of a, an impression or a feeling. Um, they feel like God is speaking to her apart from the counsel of his word. And we need to be so, so careful of that. Um, we know that the world says that God's word is not necessary. Um, But sometimes the Christian world at times can say that as well. Um, And those are lies. (laughs) God's word is necessary. Um, Let's turn together to Hebrews 4. I want to see what God's word has to say about his word. So Hebrews 4, we're going to look at verses 12 and 13 what God says about his word. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Of him to whom we must give an account. So the word is what pierces and penetrates our hearts. And that's why we shepherd our hearts toward God through the word of God. So what we're aiming for, what we want to grow in, is to read God's word prayerfully, worshipfully, relationally, transparently. Um, We aim to seek to read God's word with a love for God with a fear of God, and really with an awareness of our need for God. Um, And I think it can be really easy to, at least for me, because I'm a list maker. I mean, here's my reading plan. I love checking things off (laughs) in the same color. Um, That's part of it. It can really easily become, read my Bible, check it off. Read my Bible, check it off. Get it done. And that's not what we're aiming for here. I have to fight that. Um, I'm sure many of you do too and so we want to encourage each other in this all year long um, we we know that we want to read all of our Bibles Ned talked about that the importance of reading all of our Bible um, we're going to talk about that a little bit later reading plans and those are all in your notebook and stuff um, so we want to not be content to just read and study our Bible without it affecting our hearts it's not an academic pursuit, you know, who can have more knowledge about what's going on in God's word. Um, We want to understand what the original author meant for his original audience. Um, We ask questions like, what does God's word say? What does God's word mean? How do I apply these truths to myself? Not, what do I think this means? Or how does this make me feel? Um, We want to ask, are there commands? Are there warnings? Um, or their promises that might apply to me. Um, We don't want to look for a mystical meaning. We don't want to try to read between the lines. That can be really dangerous. So um, we want to learn about God. And uh, if you're in a small group, you're probably familiar with our core questions. And a lot of our core questions talk about, um, what did I learn about God from reading his word? Um, So we want to learn about God's character, about our character, (laughs) about the character of sin, how to battle sin, about the sweetness of salvation, um, and about eternity, where we're going to be spending eternity. So um, we're going to grow this year. I know we will. We'll learn and we'll grow together side by side. Like I said and Smed said, nobody's arrived. Um, I know sometimes it's easy to look around your group and be like, they all have it together. Nobody does. (laughs) Um, We're all growing here and encouraging each other all, all this year. Um, about studying the gospel, and that will spur us on in joy and in obedience um, and in godliness for whatever our season of life is. I love that we have a wide variety of seasons of life here. Um, We want to remember that if we're not consistently in God's word and if we're not seeking Christ, I know for me personally, my my conversations can get kind of hollow. If I have a couple of weeks where it's just checking it off the list, um, I'm feeling kind of hollow in my conversations. I'm not spending time with God. And and I have a harder time encouraging each other, right? And coming alongside one another with God's word. So um, if we're seeking Christ, when we go to his word, we'll have a lot to give to each other. Um, We'll have been with Jesus. And by his grace, um, we have, I I love this phrase because it makes me think of Jamie Siegel. We have an aroma of Christ (laughs) um, because we've spent time in his word. So... I just want you to understand that if you miss reading the word one day, don't say anything. That's not at all what I'm saying. (laughs) Um, You need to be back in God's word. But missing is not a reason to quit, right? We just keep pushing forward. Um, Keep persevering. Um, So um, we want to be women who shepherd our hearts worshipfully toward God through the word of God, and in particular, the gospel. There's more of that um, phrasing from our discipline one, So let's talk about what the gospel is. We um, will have a whole lesson on this actually this year, and we'll have a lot of helpful resources that um, will be passed out throughout the year. But the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners, right? Um, God is holy and omnipotent and all-powerful and sovereign and our creator, and he's the judge of the entire universe. And sinners, it's me and that's you. (laughs) It's every single human being who's ever lived is a sinner. And we have all rejected his right to rule over our lives. We've all rebelled against our sovereign creator. Um, God hates sin and we're sinners. Um, we're not sinners because we do bad stuff. We're, we do bad stuff because we're by nature sinners. Um, and but the gospel is that God saves sinners. So that's where the good news is. Um, we're saved from something, we're saved to something, and we're saved by something um we're saved from sin, right? From sin's consequences, we're saved from Satan, we're saved from this anti-god world system that we all live in, we're saved from ourselves, and ultimately we're saved from God himself. We must be rescued from God from his hatred of sin because we are by nature and by activity sinful, and God hates sin. So We must be saved from God and his wrath against sin. So we're also saved to something. Um, The good news of the gospel is not just that we get our sins forgiven, but we also get God. And he is the treasure of the universe, the only one who can bring satisfaction and pleasure and joy. So we're saved from God and we're saved to God. We're also saved by God um, through the substitute death of his son on the cross as payment for our sins God by the substitute death of his own son took the sin of everyone who would believe and placed it on his son and punished it to the fullness, fullest so that the guilty go free and we get to be with God forever and that's the gospel so C.J. Mahaney says we must never be content with our grasp of the gospel and that's what we're all growing in as well this year We're talking about being women who faithfully shepherd our hearts toward God, through the word of God, being impacted by the gospel at a heart level, and then letting that impact every other area of our life. So let's talk about discipline two, the home. Does someone want to read that? I used to be a teacher, so I'm okay calling on people. (laughs) Thanks, Alexis. awesome. So as women, we need to understand the spiritual influence that we can have on our homes. And a Gombe woman places a priority on spiritually influencing her household with her heart for Christ. Um, we see the people we live with more consistently than anyone else. And I don't know about you guys, but March through like June, I saw the people I live with a lot. <laughs> um And uh, we want to make it a priority to be sure that we're bringing Christ and the gospel to them. Um, Again, being an aroma for Christ, which will happen when we're in God's word. See how they're all connected. Um, So if you've taken Wellspring before, you've probably heard our phrase, don't leapfrog over it. Um, That's that game that kids used to play, or I don't know, they might still play it, where they jump over each other. Um, We don't want to leapfrog over our hearts, discipline one. We also don't want to leapfrog over discipline two, our homes, and just jump onto the next thing, um, and do and work on discipline three. So there's a lot that Scripture has to say about the home, um, and I know we all have different different living situations, and um, but whatever yours is, just know that it's God's training ground for you. Um, if you're single, if you're married, if you have children, um, we all have a profound opportunity to display Christ in our homes by taking our heart to God's word um, and then ministering to those closest to us. Um, and sometimes discipline too, is not just about those that live under your roof. Um, there's there's lots of other family member relationships. It could be parents or um, siblings or grown up children or grandchildren um, that this discipline would apply to. So it, it includes taking time to invest in those relationships. Um, and if you do live alone, Discipline two probably will overlap into our next discipline, which is ministry, as um, many of us try to seek to make our home a place that's fruitful for the building up of the body of Christ and for making Christ known. So it's about growing um, as a woman with, who has a heart for her household, um, understanding the value of work and relationships and opportunities in your home. Um, and even though we're all in different seasons of life, Discipline 2 is not temporary, it's not just a season of life, it will change as your season of life changes, um, because discipline 2 is still all about our hearts. Um, In the New Testament, households are are noted for hosting and serving churches, um, extending hospitality, training children, teaching the gospel, instructing in sound doctrine and godliness, and refreshing the saints in prison. So. Our homes are important for God's work in the church. And um, as women, we have a responsibility, we have a privilege and an opportunity. Um, We don't want our homes to be a hindrance to the work or reputation of the gospel. We want our homes to bring honor to God's word and to be useful for the church. Um, So the faithful woman of God is concerned for those in her home and ministers to them with her heart fixed on God and his word. All right, let's do Discipline 3. Anyone want to read it out loud? Oh, thank you, Laura. Awesome. Thank you. So your heart is full of God in Christ because of the word of God, and you're caring for your household with your heart for God. So discipline one, discipline two, then you're prepared to minister to people in the body. And we want to make sure that we're faithful. So are we saying that only focus on discipline one, and then when you've mastered it, you can move on and do discipline two. And then when you've mastered that, you can move on and do discipline three and never think about your heart. That's Not at all what we're saying. (laughs) Um, So these disciplines have to overlap and they have to take place at the same time. You can't say, I'm not going to be involved in ministry because I'm still working on one and two. Um, We need to be caring for people in the body, right? But there has to be some sort of a priority in our thinking. Um, I like this. I I can I don't know who said this. It could have been Suzanne, it could have been Jamie, it could have been Scott. I have no idea, but it's in quotes, so somebody said it. I need to shepherd my heart. I must not play leapfrog over my household relationships while I care for those in the body. Um, In Acts 6, we read about, um, there was a serious need in the church regarding food distribution to widows. Um, The apostles saw that co-laborers were needed to, to meet that need. So the apostles instructed the church to identify men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom. So that is what was needed for the men to oversee the care of widows and their physical need for food. The apostles didn't focus on their skills or their personalities or their good looks. Um, They were concerned with their character, the kind of men that they were. So in the same way, the body of Christ needs us to be women who believe God's word and practice God's word by shepherding our own hearts in our own homes (laughs) so that we can be fruitful in our ministry to others. Um, And that's why the elders have put these disciplines in place to help us establish our priorities. Um, So remember at the beginning, the heart is the wellspring of life. Everything flows out of our hearts. So if our heart is full of God, because of the word of God, and caring for those in our household with our heart for God, we will be fruitful in our ministry to others. And I think it's important to understand what the word ministry means. Um, Sometimes ministry includes specific roles, like setting up the chairs or serving front lines and passing up the bulletins if we ever do that again. Um, Sometimes it means being on the coffee team and making coffee, or we have a ministry where people come on Saturday and vacuum the building. Um, Those are roles in ministry and they're important, but what we're talking about ministry is a lot broader than just a specific role. Um, Ministry is just really a mindset or a heart attitude of being eager and purposeful to live every aspect of our lives as a slave for Christ, understanding that we're not our own. We were purchased with his precious blood, and we're not slaves to sin anymore. We belong to God. Um, And that will affect our lives. It will affect every aspect of our life. It will affect how we think, how we listen, how we speak, how we use our time, the kind of decisions that we make. Um, We're living as those who are joyfully available serve the Lord wherever he gives us the opportunity. So pray for God to make you effective in ministering to those in the body and outside the body. Um, All of us should set these disciplines before us and ask God to make us women that he wants us to be for his glory. So that's an overview of the disciplines and I realize it's a lot and if you feel like you were just hit by a fire hose, don't worry about it. Um, we'll talk about them every week, and um, don't get overwhelmed just yet. <laughs> so um, Smed talked a little bit about Bible reading this morning, so um, I thought I should talk about it a little bit too. It's one of our priorities here in Wellspring. Um, it's, it's Women's ministry's desire. It is the elders' desire that we all get into a routine of reading the Bible every year for the rest of our lives. Um, it's really important to be familiar with more than just, you know, your five or your two favorite books of the Bible, um, we can all tend to do that. I have definitely read Philippians more than any other book. <laughs> it is my favorite, but I need to be familiar with all of God's word. Um, we need to know Moses is God because he's our God too. We need to see how God interacted with his children a long time ago because it helps us to know him, to see his character. Um, we want to see God throughout the entire Bible, and we need to feed our own Hearts with it because the Bible is full of illustrations and examples to use Paul's wording for our instruction. So we need to be full of the Bible, Old and New Testament. This enables us to care for others with all of God's word because we know it. And I know for me, I'm not able to be in God's Word if I don't plan for it. Um, I, I would suggest nothing happens without making a goal, right? So I would suggest make it a goal to read through the Bible in a year, in your notebook, there are lots of plans. I believe there's even a two-year plan. Um, It might take longer than a year and that's okay. Uh, uh, We just wanna make sure that you're reading God's word. That's the important part. It's again, not to just check it off your list, even though it looks really nice in pink. Um, (laughs) That's not our goal, right? We want to um, meet with God, learn of God, and to be equipped with his word. So, what if you don't finish it in a year? Wouldn't you still have discovered more about God than if you hadn't tried? (laughs) Um, What if you read it in 14 months, or 18 months, or two years? That's okay. That's wonderful. Um, Persevere. Keep going. God will continue to reveal himself to you from every page of scripture. Uh, I love Psalm 119. Um, Verse 103 says, His word is sweeter than honey. And it really, really is. So the more we feed on it, the more we understand it, the sweeter it will become. So when we're thinking, and I've been there, and I'm sometimes still there, I just don't have time to meet with God in his word. It might be time to just reevaluate. Um, if if meeting with God in his word is his priority for us, shouldn't it be our priority too? Um, We've all had seasons where it's more challenging and, and ask someone around you who's in a similar season of life, how do you do this? How do you make time? How do you, how do you make this a priority in your life? There's someone else out there who can help you. Um, but I wanna be sure that I'm not saying things that aren't true, like I just don't have time or I, I can't do it. But I wanna be honest saying, I'm just not taking the time or I'm not making the time. I'm not making it a priority. Or, I'm making something else sleep my priority. (laughs) Um, And we're just here to help each other with this all year long. Um, There's encouragement to be found in the gospel when we're honest about what the real source of our struggle is about being in God's word. God's grace is sufficient to grant repentance, to renew us, and to help us walk in newness of life. So, that we do grow in consistency with meeting in his word um, we're not talking about perfection not perfect nobody in here is perfect we're all just aiming to grow um, so struggling with your reading plan it's not a reason to quit wellspring <laughs> don't give up we want to fight for this um, because it's gonna give you more of God um, so your assignment for the year is to pick a reading plan and get started by October 1st if you already have a reading plan don't quit it Um, Keep going. That's totally fine. Um, If you don't have one, there are those reading plans in there. You can also look online. There's so many out there. They have uh, ones that are on apps, everything. So just pick a reading plan that works for you. Um, and, And the point is not the plan. Like, you know, like, I'm doing this plan or that plan. The point is the purpose of the plan, right? It's to meet with God, to draw near to him, to see his glory, and to get into the habit of doing that. So... In addition to daily Bible reading as an assignment, you're also going to get weekly or bi-weekly homework assignments. Bi-monthly homework, every other week, you're gonna get a homework assignment. I don't know how that works. Um, So they're handed out at one class, so you got some today, and then they're due at our next class. um, And you will turn them in to your discussion group leader. And really, it's just to help, um, for some accountability to help your leader get to know you, So they know how to pray for you stuff like that it's not meant to be time consuming they're mostly self-evaluation questions um but just give your answers some thought um ponder them and answer honestly it's only going to benefit your heart more um it's not something to feel uncomfortable about but if you have any questions feel free to talk to your discussion group leader or talk to me um either one we'd love to talk to you about it so Um, The homework matters. It's important to keep up with it. So again, if you miss a week, be sure to print it off and do it and bring it back um, after you've listened to the lesson. Um, It's important because we need to grow and we need to change um, and we need to learn how to apply the gospel. So um, before you start your homework, ask for God's help. It's not meant to be an academic thing. It's not like, you know, we're back in school, just write an answer down um, so that something's written. we're desiring to know God more, so ask him for his help in that. Um, so again, typically after our teaching time, we break up into discussion groups. We'll do that next week, but I wanted to introduce the discussion group leaders to you guys really quick, in case you don't know who they are. So um, Drew Kovac, this is Drew, and I have a group that will be staying in this room and meeting, so when Wellspring's over, usually everybody else will leave. Our group will stay in here. Um, second group is Katie Famusa. And Adrian Jones, and their group is going to be um, where we usually serve coffee. Um, There's a circle of chairs there today. Usually it's going to be tables, and you guys will meet there. Um, And then Chris Evans in the back. And Alexis Berry up here. It's Alexis's birthday today, by the way, so be sure to say happy birthday on your way out. Um, And their group is going to be meeting just inside the worship center through these doors over here. So I'm looking forward to meeting next week. Um and i will have a list next week so you know whose group that you're in all that kind of stuff so anyway it's 11 already (laughs) this this morning flies you guys um so i hope you're excited about this year i'm excited um I'm, i'm excited to be challenged to to grow all together to encourage each other um so let's pray and then you guys can go pick up your kids heavenly father thank you for this morning thank you for smed and that the time that he spends studying your word uh so that he can teach it to us father thank you for the time that he cares for his own heart i do pray this year that um that we ladies would grow in this that we would grow in caring for our own hearts knowing that everything that comes out of our mouths every thought in our head every decision we make comes out of what's in our hearts and and we need to be bringing our hearts to your words so that we are thinking like you think um God, please help us to make that a priority in our own lives and then in our homes as we care for those there and then in, in the church as a whole so that we can help the church body grow um, as we live alongside each other. Thank you for each of these ladies that are here this morning. Thank you especially for the ladies and Wellspring kids. I pray that they all have a relaxing afternoon. Thank you, Lord, for Wellspring and your name. Be